Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Have you ever been unfortunate enough to see someone collapse right in front of your eyes? Do you know what to do next? Should you check a pulse, check for breathing? The latest guidelines for those who have a cardiac arrest out of a hospital include early intervention and, if possible, the use of an automatic external defibrillator. Have you seen one? Would you know what to do if you had to? Pamela Foster, president of the AED Institute and founder of the Hawaii Heart Foundation, is here to help. We'll be taking your calls in just a few minutes at 941-3689 on Oahu. Toll free from the neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. First in medical news, the National Lung Cancer Screening Trial is in the news again. In the latest issue of the journal, the American Medical Association, it was noted that the trial originally showed a 20% reduction in lung cancer mortality in those who had low-dose CAT scans done of the lungs if they had a significant smoking history of 30 or more pack years. Now, a pack year is determined by the number of packs you smoke a day times the number of years. Now, all of those cancers, were they all life-threatening? Well, you know, a recent analysis published in the journal of the American Medical Association just today said no. One in five were overdiagnosed. These were cancers in people who would not otherwise have been found for several years and may not have been clinically significant at all. So what's the final verdict? Well, stop smoking. If you do have a history of that many years of smoking, talk to your doctor about helping you decide if a low-dose lung CT scan is right for you. Although serious cancers can be found, non-serious issues can be seen as well, and it might just lead to a lot of extra testing and even surgery sooner than you think. Have a discussion with your doctor. Find out what works best in your particular scenario. Canada has helped us answer another medical dilemma. Do the currently approved treatments with Zyban, Chantix, or nicotine replacement increase the risk of heart attacks? Well, in a detailed analysis, researchers have determined the answer is no. Although more palpitations might be noted in those who use nicotine replacement, the medications are safe. Overall, the risk of continuing to smoke is much greater of an effect on heart disease than using any treatments to stop. We all know that certain foods should be limited if you're trying to prevent heart disease. Too much fat in your diet, sugar, really anything in excess most likely isn't that good for you. But what can you increase to reduce your risk for cardiometabolic issues? Well, the answer to that is fiber. Apparently, in the American Journal of Medicine, none of us are eating enough fiber. 11 years of data collected from 1999 to 2010 were analyzed, and it was determined that diets higher in fiber helped reduce cardiometabolic risk factors, and in some groups, body mass index or BMI, and also inflammation in the body. How much is too much? If there ever Is there ever enough? Well, further studies are ongoing to determine if diets high in fiber, defined as 30 grams or more, have an even greater benefit. But until then, look at your food labels and choose those that are higher in fiber and not just for regularity. Automatic external defibrillators. You see these at the airport. You might have one in your workplace. These days, there's AEDs at the gym, maybe even at your local McDonald's. But would you know when and how to use one if you needed to? 
Today we are joined by Pamela Foster. She is the head of the AED, or Automatic External Defibrillator Institute, and she is also a member of the Hawaii Heart Foundation. We are going to talk about how to be a lifesaver if someone you love has a sudden cardiac arrest. We'd like to hear from you. Have you ever used a defibrillator? Have you seen them and kind of wondered why they're there and how effective they are if you happen to be involved in using one in the community? Well, you can join us, 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Pamela, welcome to The Body Show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to have you here. Now, we talked about different ways that we know how to use things when with like defibrillators or really anything if you witness an arrest. And right before the show started, you mentioned some really good points. So let's talk about the heart as as an organ, but compare it almost to a house. So you've got the structure, the foundation of the house, you've got the electrical, you've got the plumbing. Structure in this analogy would be what the heart looks like. Physically, are all the chambers the right size? Is the heart enlarged or not enlarged, etc.? Then there's the plumbing, and that's where a lot of people have troubles, blockages. We hear about heart attacks. We hear about angiograms, angioplasty. And then we've got the electricity. That's kind of the one that most people don't think about. What sort of problems would be related to using an external defibrillator? Are we just looking at electrical issues here? Well, really, for AEDs, they're made for the public. They're made for people who know nothing. So that's good. That means I could use yes, it. Yes. Yes. Okay. All you have to do is turn it on. It'll tell you exactly what to do. And and the on button is fairly obvious. I it's, mean, sometimes I can't turn on my computer. So so <laughs> this is something really easily available and what am I what am I going to do with it? So so somebody's out there, let's just say in the community and all of a sudden they're down on the ground. What do I do? First thing you're going to do, you can tap them on the shoulder. Hey, are you okay? Auntie, auntie, are you okay? No response. Tell someone immediately to call 911. Don't wait. Don't call the family. Don't call someone else. Call 911. Get in the system. And then basically what we want you to start doing now is just start pushing on the chest. If they're okay, they're going to say, ow, you can't hurt them. And really, when that person wakes up, they're going to know that you were simply trying to save their life. So... We're talking about if somebody drops yep. and you're not quite sure why. Yep, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter why. Call 911 and then you go to that person and you start doing compressions. Now, we used to do the whole breath thing and people were worried about, you know, how do I put breaths on and what if I don't want to touch their lips, etc. Do we do breaths? No more. Why not? Because people who collapse, they just took a breath. They've got a good four to six minutes of oxygen in their blood right now. The reality is, is if you can get that heart restarted within two to three minutes, you never had to give a breath anyway. So you've got a window. Yep. And so the type of people who would respond to the next step, which is the external defibrillator, we're talking about these electrical issues. What, what's the difference between a heart attack and a cardiac arrest? Simplest way to describe this is a heart attack is a plumbing problem. There's a clot within the vessel feeding the heart oxygen, starving the heart of of oxygen, blood supply. They're going to have pain. They're going to have symptoms. They're going to be awake. That's the biggest thing for people to understand. Is it a heart attack? You're awake. You can deny it. <laughs> you can lie about it. I don't feel <laughs> chest pain. No, I'm not clutching my, my chest in horror. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So you're awake and you know something's going on. And if you're awake, that means you've got a pulse, clearly, because right. you're awake. Right, right. So even in that case, the most important thing to do is call 911, get in the system, our ambulances could take an EKG, send it to the hospital, 
ER docs got that EKG in their hand long before you ever hit there. But that's a heart attack. You're awake. A cardiac Key arrest. Key point. Yeah. You're awake. Yeah. Heart attack equals you're awake. Yes. Now, cardiac arrest. Am I awake? No. No symptoms. No warning. Kind of like in your house, if the lights go out, what was the symptom prior to those lights going out? Maybe a flicker, flicker off. Maybe lightning. Maybe yeah. not. Yeah. Okay. And that's so that cardiac that's arrest. kind of a cardiac arrest. Is they like drop. complete electrical shutdown. Yep. Now, what do you do in that scenario? So you're a responder. So you first you said you call. You mentioned quote get in the system. That's just because nine one one. You have to let them know. Here's why I am. Send an ambulance. And what is the average for urban downtown Honolulu? How long does it take? If you call for an ambulance, how long are we talking here? Well, fire response is 7 to 11 minutes. Okay, because the fire department, fire department comes too. If it's a medical, fire and EMS will co-respond. And yep. so whoever gets there first, good. Yep. All right. Now, you mentioned earlier, you know, do something. Call 911. Push on the chest and respond. As a meaning what? Just don't stand there and scream? Like, what should you do? Do something. Do something. You can't hurt a person in cardiac arrest. You can't hurt a person who's fainted. The old idea that if I push on the chest and break a rib, I could be sued, that's gone. There's no liability. So do something. Help this person. They need your help. You can double, triple, quadruple their chance of survival simply by doing something. Now, let's talk about that liability issue quickly, because in front of me, I have a copy of a bill for an act, HB number 1537. This was back in 2009. And what exactly did this do? It relates to automatic external defibrillators. What was this bill about and why is it important? It's really important. And the reason I bring the, I bring the bill is because you can see everybody's signature on the bill and that everybody signed this bill. It was completely unopposed. I'm looking at it and I got to tell you, those signatures are some of them worse than mine, which is pretty hard. <laughs> you know, as a physician, it's hard to find handwriting worse than mine, but I'll give it to you. There's like several pages of signatures and they all look kind of suspect. But okay, I, I'm going to agree that everybody yeah. signed it. Yeah. So this basically says... What? No liability to anybody performing CPR, not performing CPR. It's the Good Samaritan Law, basically a step farther. So you can't get in trouble for hurting somebody, and you can't get in trouble for having an AED, having an AED program, whether you use it or not. You are a lay responder. You're not a paid responder. So even I'm a lay responder. You are a lay responder unless you're in a hospital being paid to be there to save someone's life. So as a physician... God forbid it happens. Let's hope it doesn't. I go out there and press the wrong button and the AED malfunctions and I act like an idiot. I'm still considered a lay responder. Yes. Now, I'll be honest. Okay, so there's AEDs and I've seen them at the airport. I've seen them at the YMCA. And I just look at them and I go, God, I hope I never have to use one because I'm really good at that whole let's get the crash card in the hospital. But hmm, I wonder how complicated it is. Make me feel better. What is the average age group that you teach how to use these? Fifth graders. You know, I've am I smarter than a fifth grader? <laughs> I don't know. There's that game show. You know, sometimes I wonder because those kids are darn smart. So you go out in the public and you teach fifth graders how to use these. Yes. It, there's actually an American Heart study from several years ago that says that sixth graders will respond prior to paramedics when using an AED. Sixth graders will respond prior to paramedics. Faster. Faster. Yep. What do you mean by that? Because they don't think about it. They don't put everything into it. They simply, they're so tech savvy. So the thing about AEDs and and kind of upsets me about AED companies is defibrillators, automated external defibrillators are made for the lay public, people who know nothing. 
So they are designed that if you turn it on, it tells you exactly what to do. But it seems like you have to take a class to figure out, to play with it, to figure out that you didn't need to know anything to use it. So my wanting to go to class to learn how to use it is really just um, silly? Oh, no. It's practice. It's practice, practice, practice. I mean, I kind of want to learn how to use it, and I'm really good at school. I really like school. I'd go back right now if somebody else would pay for it because I've been down that road (laughs) with my own school loans. But so, okay, so you really don't, if you're out there at the airport and somebody drops right in front of you, you should call 911. You should do something. You should go ahead and start compressions. And if you see a defibrillator, don't be scared. Do not be scared. You can't hurt anybody with it. I put them on me in every class I teach. I put the real one on me. I put the pads on. It says no shock advised. And I give it to one of my students and I say, push the button. And they go, oh, no, no, no. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to hurt you. Push the button. And you push it and nothing Nothing happens. Nothing happens. Now, let me ask a real stupid question. Does it come off the wall? I mean, they're on the wall, right? I mean, you see them. They're portable. So you're supposed to take it off the wall. You can run away with it, not to suggest people go stealing (laughs) defibrillators, but you can physically take take it it to the victim. To the victim. You don't have to try and slide the victim on over. No. See, this is where the sixth grader or fifth grader is smarter than me. Yeah. Because I'm stuck in my head thinking, darn, why didn't they pass out closer to the wall? Now what do I do? Yeah. You're thinking of that manual defibrillator that has to be plugged into the wall. Right. Nope. These are portable. Now, they're battery operated. Yes. How long are the batteries lasting? Um, Depending. There's all different kinds of units out there. So anywhere from a year with a warranty to four or five years on a warranty. Depends on the unit. And these are lithium batteries. Yes. Why can't my laptop last that long? Good idea. So you actually have a battery that lasts four Four years. years. Yep. Never being recharged. Right. Hello, Apple. (laughs) Hello, Dell. Hello, all these other makers of computers. Did you hear that? I, I have to say that it's in a standby mode. Okay, so it's, so not, it's not constantly. It's not on, yeah. If you used it a bunch, could you need to get a battery sooner? Yes. They actually, um, the one that we put out in the major areas, it has 125 shocks or four hours of continuous monitoring. So it's kind of like your laptop. So All right, fine. (laughs) At least it turns on. You know, these days, my laptop, the one, my original one, doesn't necessarily turn on. So it's already got a head start. Now, in this scenario, you said 125 shocks. So is there a way to figure out how much battery power is left? Like, if you have a bunch of these installed everywhere in the airport, does somebody go around and check them to make sure they work? That is what's recommended by the manufacturers that they're checked on a routine basis. Um, I've actually run that AED program at the airport for the last seven years. So if I find one that has no battery, I call you and I say, Pamela, I found it. But I won't find that because you check them all. Right. They're checked on a weekly basis statewide. And if they need a new battery, then you just replace it, get them a new battery. Or do you you get a new battery or do you get a new defibrillator? New battery. What what the AEDs do is they have a safety net in them. And much like your smoke detector, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning, the smoke detector starts going beep. Oh, yeah. Like Beep. I haven't searched for that noise all over yeah. the house it's always and like wondering what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. What is with that? Why yeah. is it always early in the morning? Okay. So the AED will do the same thing. If the battery goes low, it will start beeping at you. It beeps for about 72 hours. Even if it's beeping, depending on the AED, there's a good 16 shocks left on the battery even when it's beeping. So th- there's a good safety net on these things. Should but you do have to maintain them. Should everybody have one? I mean, it almost seems like, you know, you brought this AED. It looks really cute. It's in this nice little red suitcase. And we're going to play with it. We're going to hear what it actually tells people to do uh, after our break. But 
I mean, it sounds to me like everybody should have one in their house. Now, that may not necessarily be the case, but for who would be at risk that would say, I should have one of these? So if you have a known cardiac disease issue. So you have heart problems. Yep. You've had a heart attack in the past. Maybe you've had ventricular fibrillation in the past. You've had a cardiac arrest. You've been your, you know, higher potential to have it again. Um, And the new thing that's coming out within the last four or five years is athletes. It's the number one cause of death in athletes today. So if your kid's on a sports team, you want to make sure that your trainer or athletic director has AEDs available. Now, you mentioned to me before the show started that every three days we lose an athlete in the United States to sudden cardiac arrest. Yep. Yep. What is it we're not doing? We don't really know. I mean, these kids do stress their hearts. Um, the way I look at it is, okay, so I was in high school some 30 years ago. Um, but when you ran the track, you know, seven was fast. Today, seven seconds isn't fast. It has to be six seconds, five seconds. They're yeah, the same kids. I don't think I play. The same hearts. I don't think I ran track, I'll be <laughs> honest. Because seven seconds to run what? Where am I going in seven seconds? I'm tying my shoe. Yeah. So, okay, so we're pushing ourselves harder. Yeah. And we're okay. just finding more and more um, – the statistics are that one in every hundred kids could possibly have a heart issue. And what are the most common issues that we're talking about here? Hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, long QT syndromes, that type of thing. Well, and I'll tell you, hypertrophic, that one kind of hit me over the head. Um, you know, my older brother was diagnosed with that. He's older than I am. Athletic, he's the athlete one. I'm the mathlete, he's the athlete. And he wound up getting diagnosed with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy at the age of 42. Kind of late when you think about it. He played a lot of sports. Now, he didn't play group sports, but he played a lot of sports, never passed out, never had an episode, got diagnosed and had to have surgery. So in that scenario, is there any screening test that can be done for athletes to find out if they have that? I mean, clearly my brother missed out on it, whatever it was, because whatever testing he did didn't show it. But how do we test these things in kids? Well, the the funny thing that I think is that we test kids in school for vision, for hearing, for scoliosis, for immunizations. We test them for all these things, but we never look at their hearts. We listen to it and say, yep, you got a heartbeat. That's good. But that's not enough. So what has happened is that there's um, screening programs going on across the country. And that's how we're finding a lot more information now because of these screening programs. But an EKG is will tell you some. Um, a good history and physical, that's really the big thing, is a good history. These, ten, these things tend to be genetic and, um, and then an echocardiogram. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Pamela Foster. We are talking about what's going on out there with these AEDs or automatic external defibrillators. Who needs them? Should you have one for grandma? And if so, how do you use them? When we come back, we're going to hear one talk to us. So you got to hear that. And you can give us a holler if you want to join us at 941-3689. Toll Free Neighbor Islands, 877-941-3689. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Tis the season for charitable donations, but do they send a different message than just holiday goodwill? It really gets at the heart of what Americans think about their government and what they want their government to do and how they want to help people. I'm Kai Rizdal. Tax breaks and charitable giving next time on Marketplace from APM. This evening at 6, following The Body Show.
Behind the shining modern rocking horse, behind the smart doll's house, a voice could be heard whispering, there must be more money. Bad family values. This week on Selected Shorts from PRI, Public Radio International. Tuesday at 5 p.m., following Travel with Rick Steves. Aloha. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Pamela Foster. She is the head of the AED Institute and is going to tell us some more about who needs these defibrillators at home? Should you have one? Do I want one? And we're going to hear one talk to us live. Now, Pamela, you said, you know, if you're smarter than a fifth grader, you can use one. I know some darn smart fifth graders. I'm still a little intimidated. We talked about athletes. You know, this can be something that can affect athletes. We're doing testing. We're doing screening, echocardiograms, et cetera. I know you helped run a program recently that was available. Uh, was, it was about two months ago or so at Kaiser Permanente was doing free athlete screening. For any parents of kids who are athletes, can you just go to your doctor and say, I'm really worried and I want to be screened for any sort of problem? I mean, much easier to do it in advance than wait until, God forbid, there's been a problem, right? Well, with what I know today, if I had a student athlete, I would get them screened. It's easier to screen them than not, but basically they're looking for symptoms and history. Anybody who's had a family member collapse in cardiac arrest before age 50, any fainting, dizziness, shortness of breath with exercise, fatigue after exercise, that type of thing, we're looking for those symptoms. What if you don't have them? I mean, I'm just thinking of my own brother. He had none of those symptoms at all. He's Mr. Athlete, shows up, has a funny heart rhythm, says, hello, what's going on? Finds out he has this serious structural heart problem, never diagnosed before. That's what you want to avoid. Yeah. Because had he played some competitive sport, he might have actually had one of these episodes, cardiac arrest. Yes. So if you're a parent and you're really worried about your child... Do something. Talk to their doctor. If you're concerned, if the history is concerning, even I I guess now I would say if insurance doesn't cover it, but you feel that convinced, do it. I would do the test. I would screen them. Yeah. We have money for things that we want. That would be my Christmas gift, knowing that my kid has a good, clean bill of health. Um, Of the 134 kids that we screened in that screening on November 2nd, we screened 134 kids. 12 of them came back hypertensive. 12 kids yes. came back with high blood pressure, hypertensive. Needing, needing further follow-up. And two of them came back with what could be serious heart problems. Neither of them had any symptoms. So out of those 134, you potentially saved two lives immediately and 12 diagnosed with hypertension they otherwise wouldn't have known. Yep. 10% had some kind of benefit from that screening. Yep. That's pretty awesome. Yep. All right. Before we actually play with it, because I really want to, we're going to hear from Steve in Waikiki. Steve, welcome to The Body Show. Hi. Thank you. Um, I'm 65, and I was recently uh, diagnosed uh, with uh, irregular heartbeat. And I was given a couple procedures, um, the echocardiogram, and they actually did a defibrillation on me. Okay. And... Uh, so I had um, a couple questions. One is, what does the echocardiogram uh, show? Okay, that's one question. It shows what your heart looks like, and it shows real-time heart beating. So, so you're looking at... blockages, or no. what does... An echocardiogram is kind of interesting. It's going to show you, like, the structure of your house. 
Okay, so it's going to show you the four chambers of your heart. It's going to show you if your heart's enlarged. It's going to show you valves, which are the things that help keep blood in one chamber versus another. And it's going to tell you if you have any heart enlargement. Now, an echocardiogram is not going to show you blockages in your arteries because an echo is not designed to do that. Oh, okay. Now, if you had this irregular heart problem, part of doing the echo is because if you have heart enlargement, for example, then if they decide they're going to go ahead and try and get you back into a regular rhythm, if your heart's super enlarged, no matter how many times they shock you, it isn't going to work. So the fact that they still did the defibrillation suggests that your heart looked like it was the right size, meaning it wasn't too enlarged or dilated is a word that we use in medicine. And you look like you might be a candidate to have that defibrillation actually work to get your heart back in a regular rhythm. Right. And that is what happened. Now, did you stay there? Well, it's been uh, a week. Good. A week (laughs) already. so, So far, so good. What was amazing was the difference in how I felt. Well, and that's really important because, you know, not that I want you to feel bad, but go back to what you felt like before you had this done and remember how bad that felt because you may be the best person to be able to notice if your heart goes back into the funny heart rhythm. And this time, instead of waiting a week or two or however long you waited to get it figured out, you'll know immediately and you'll know exactly what to do. Yes, yeah, very interesting. All right, thank you very much. Good, thanks for calling us today. Bye. All right, Pamela, Steve had some really good questions. He had defibrillation done. Now, in that situation, he was not just walking at the airport. Nobody just, quote, shocked him. But he was in a medical setting, and they used the paddles. Those were plugged into the wall, and they got his heart back into a regular rhythm. So he probably had a synchronized cardioversion for Which, his AFib. Yeah. for a layperson means Means what? that this defibrillator wouldn't have worked. So if somebody were to be, because in this case, he was awake and he was alert, so he was not unconscious. So when you have that kind of defibrillation in a medical setting, that's different than what we're talking about here. Yes. All right. Now, I got to hear this because I'm always curious. You know, there's a voice associated with the AEDs. So you've got one in front of you, which I'm very delighted to see because I've always wondered what do they look like? And if I grab it off the wall, how heavy is it? So I've had a great chance to take a look and play with it. Let's turn it on. What am I hearing? Oh, I'm here. iPads to patient's bare chest. So it's telling me instructions. It, it turns on. You hear that loud noise. And then it says apply the pads. So you're supposed to put those pads on a patient. And if you've already put them on, then does it... Oh, you're putting them on right now. This is apply the joy of radio. Pads. Okay. So you've put the pads Stay on. clear of patient. Analyzing. Now, this is a trainer, so it's going to tell me Stay it's going to shock Stay clear me. of patient. All right, I'm away from you. I'm on the side of the advised. table. Shock advised. Stay clear of patient. Deliver shock now. Shock delivered. So it's that simple. Begin CPR. And if I just follow what it says, shock delivered, there's a button that blinks. When it said shock ready, you press the button, and there you go. Yep. And then it says, now, how come after you do that, it says continue CPR? Is it because what it's analyzing suggests that you need to keep doing the CPR? Well, what the AED does is the AED actually shocks the heart, stops the heart. It doesn't, a lot of people will tell you it restarts the heart. It doesn't. It stops the heart. It actually stuns the cardiac cells so that what will happen is the hope is 
that the pacemaker within your heart will then restart. Just like going your house, back to your house, right? The electricity goes out. You go over to the circuit breaker, right? Your little box with little switches in it. And you flip the switch off. When you flip the switch back on, you're hoping that electricity comes back on. So the defibrillator will shock the heart, stop the chaos, which is in ventricular fibrillation, stop that chaos, and then hopefully the pacemaker will start pumping again. But the heart is a pump. And what do we do with all pumps? We have to prime them. So offer the shock, right back on the chest, doing those chest compressions, and all AEDs today will shock or at least reanalyze every two minutes. So you're leaving the pads on the patient. Absolutely. You're pressing the shock button, yep. and then it's telling you to keep doing CPR. Yep. If the heart's own pacemaker, we call it the sinus node, that sinus rhythm people might have heard about, if it starts again and the defibrillator analyzes and sees that there's a heart rhythm that's okay, will it tell you stop CPR? No, it won't. It will say, it'll analyze, again, Mm -hmm. two minutes, it analyzes. It'll say, no shock advised, resume CPR if needed. So if the person's not awake, clearly they still need CPR. Yep. Yep. So what you're essentially doing really is you grab the device, you press the on button, it'll tell you put the pads on the patient. I'm looking at a diagram. It tells you exactly where to put them. And you just whipped them on while you were here. I mean, that was pretty fast. And then it analyzes your rhythm, tells you whether or not the shock should be delivered. You leave the pads on, you do your compressions. And if you're doing your compressions, how is it checking and analyzing a rhythm? Um, there's, well, will it tell you stop CPR analyzing? No. Well, yes, it will. Every two minutes, it'll automatically tell you to stop. So I'm just rethinking, I'm thinking this too much. You're over, totally overthinking. That's why the fifth grader does it so well. Yeah. Okay. I've got to, I've got to uh, (laughs) hang out with some more fifth graders because they just follow the instructions and say, this is what it said. I'm just going to go with it. I don't have to think too much. Yeah. So let's play out the scenario. Somebody collapses. I tell you quick, call 911. I start compression. Somebody else brings the AED. As soon as that AED arrives, attach it. It's going to say stand clear, analyzing rhythm, shock advised, push the orange button, push it back on the chest, pump, 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 pump. And the guy starts waking up, moving his arms and legs. Okay. It's not going to tell you to stop pushing. But if the patient's waking up, moving arms and legs. And saying, oh, stop. Then hopefully you will. (laughs) Yes. At that point, we want you to leave the pads on. Even 911's coming, even though he's awake, leave the pads on when fire department arrives or EMS. They'll then take the pads off and change over to their equipment. Because there's always that chance, someone who's been in cardiac arrest, if you may have that long wait time, they could simply go back into cardiac arrest, you start all over. Now, what are our chances if somebody is there? Let's just say that you just, you came back and you were the one, you put the pads on, you pressed, you know, you're, you're there in the airport and you press the shock button, you have the pads on, 911 comes. What are the chances that they are going to make it? Well, our nationwide as well as our statewide survival rate is 5%. So 95% of the people who have a cardiac arrest will not survive. Number one reason for that is nobody knows what to do. They're afraid. This is out of the hospital. Out Somebody of the hospital. who just has cardiac arrest on the soccer field, yep. at the airport, at the oh, gym, wherever. Wait, not at the airport. Well, no, because you have your AEDs. At the- but let's say that somebody's just scared. They don't know what to do. Prior to having the AEDs available, 5%. We had a 0% in the airports prior to the AED program. 0% survival. Yep. Okay, so now the airport's special because you've arranged and fixed that. What are my stats now? 
at the airport. Yep. Survival. Yep. Because of the AEDs. You went from zero to 69%. But it's not just the AEDs. It's the training program. That's the big part of it is we've offered free certification training to every person who carries what is called an AOA badge that they can, are badge for the airport. Free certification training. We've had an overwhelming response to that. Everybody in the airport knows what to do. So they don't freak out. They call, push, respond, get everything taken care of. So it's 69%. What is the goal? I mean, is there a way? 69% survival. Can we make that go higher? Well, I would like to see at least that in the community. We can do that in our community. We need to increase our survival rate. 5% is nothing. And this could be a young person. It could be a child. It could be a choking victim who then has a cardiac arrest. It could be a drowning. I mean, you name it. Our survival rates are very poor. Why? Nobody knows what to do. We all just freak out? Yeah, they're afraid. So don't freak out. Don't freak out. All right. Can't hurt them. Can't make it worse. Jeff from Wahiwa is on the line. Jeff, don't freak out. This is Dr. Kozak. What can I do for you? Yeah, I have a question. It, you said that the pads are placed on the bare chest. So with a, for modesty, I mean, how do you handle that with a, a woman, a lady? Good question, Jeff, because, you know, you don't want to all of a sudden have people get That's upset. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to embarrass this person. I mean, I know it's, it's life-saving, but still. Good question. All right. Pamela, <laughs> we don't want to go and expose people. Uh, I'm an ER nurse. I'm not the person to ask, okay? Um, Reality is, if there's other people around, tell them they don't need to stand there. They don't need to watch crowd control, that type of thing. But let me tell you, um, a lot of people will focus on this, what if it's a woman type of thing. But of our 32 people at the airport, I always try and get people to guess, how many do you think were men versus women? I have no idea. 30 were men, two were women. Of those two women, both of them survived 100% because people took action and and neither one of them cared that their clothes were cut off. One of them, she lives in in Texas, and I'm still on Facebook with her. It's been six years. Um, But her only concern was that she got to go home with her three grandkids. That was was her concern. So so what am I doing? I mean... Um, w- women obviously have more, generally will have more clothing on, on their upper, upper body. So you said they were cut up? You have to cut the clothes off or, or raise, you know, here in Hawaii, we don't wear a lot of clothes. We're not in Minnesota. I just got back from Chicago where, you well, know, you I, wear I 10 layers. Scissors, so what, what do you mean cut the clothes off? Every AED has a prep kit in it. And with that got prep it. kit has okay. scissor, razor, gloves, you know, face mask, towel. You're well prepared with everything that you need. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Well, Pamela, but Jeff has a good point. Do you need it? I mean, can you just like slip a pad here and put one over there under the shirt, above the shirt? Can you just slip it on or do you really have to like expose everything? Well, you got the pads have to stick to the chest. I mean, they have to stick to skin and we're all made a little bit different as to where that's going to be. So so could it be, uh, I mean, you leave the bra on and you just uh, um, stick them on above the bra? Uh, or is that a bad idea? It's recommended to remove the bra because most most bras are nylon and, and wire, um, so they can leave burns on the chest. And you are, the pads do go on each side of the heart. So you're going in the upper right shoulder area and the lower left underneath the breast. So, Okay. Uh, and and, and the, the, the machine will tell me that? 
Yes. It, it says upper right and lower left? I'll there's, tell you, Jeff, there's pictures. I'm looking at it. There's oh, okay, pictures. Okay. I don't know. And like, <laughs> no, no, I know. See, that's what I didn't know either, Jeff, is I used to see these machines and go, oh, my God, my brother has this problem. What if I ever had to use one? I've got to be smarter than a fifth grader. I'm a physician. I've got to get, get on board. Yeah, so, no, no, but the, the instructions are all there and clear, huh? They're all there, and there's pictures, and there's bright orange pictures of where you're going to put these pads. Okay, very good. Thank so, you. So, excellent. Excellent question, Jeff, and I'm glad that you called us and asked. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Pamela Foster. We're talking about what do you do if someone collapses in front of you? We now know. Call 911, start CPR, and do something. Don't be afraid. Do something. But if you've got a question about AEDs, uh, automatic external defibrillators, or what you should do, give us a holler, 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Now, Pamela, you said 30 out of the 32 people in the in the airport were men. Men have a higher rate of, of cardiac arrest? Seems like men have a higher rate of cardiac arrest. Women have a higher rate of heart attacks. So we have the things where we're awake. Yeah. And we feel the pain. Maybe we deny it. Maybe we blame our stomach. But maybe we go to the hospital. Men have the cardiac arrest, yeah. which can be a complication from having a heart attack. But the key is you're unconscious. Right. And out of those 32 people who had the defibrillation, you said 69% of that group did fine. Yep. Where else should we have these? I know we are the only state anywhere that has AEDs in McDonald's. Yeah. McDonald's, um, we had a cardiac arrest at one of the McDonald's, and he was saved. Uh, Great man. Wonderful story. And that's what led McDonald's to think, oh, my gosh, well, we have fire extinguishers. Maybe we should have these cardi- or AEDs for a person in cardiac arrest. So I have to credit McDonald's because most people say, oh, there's AEDs at McDonald's. Yeah, you eat at McDonald's every day, you'll have a heart attack, you need an AED. Ha, ha, ha. But think about it. There's AEDs in every 24-hour fitness. There's AEDs any in the place. Y, I've seen them. Yeah, we I have hoped them I the... didn't need one on the treadmill. Yeah. And luckily I didn't, but I saw one on the wall. Yeah, we have them at the Y. We have them, um, we have them in schools. We have a, every HECO truck has an AED in it. And, and they're u- willing to use those within the community area. So that's always something to know, too. Um, our police cars have AEDs. Our fire trucks have them. You know, they're everywhere. And the reality in the, in the numbers is that our survival rate is 5%, but that can change. Because if you witness someone collapse, you call 911 right away, you start compressions. If they can be shocked within two minutes, you have a 90% chance of survival. 90%? Yes. Two minutes? Yes. So you got to know where these defibrillators are. You do need to know where they are. We're going to talk about where they are in the community and review that again in just a minute. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Pamela Foster. We are talking about automatic external defibrillation. If you or someone you love is worried about cardiac arrest, it can happen to anybody. This is the show for you. So give us a holler if you have a question, 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. On the next Humankind. People want to be treated like a person. 
They want to be understood much more than a diagnosis or a disease or a syndrome. For a new era in health coverage, doctors, nurses, and patients envision a system that cares for the whole person, not just parts of the body. I'm David Freudberg. Join us for Humankind. This evening at 6.30, right after Marketplace. Song stylist Shari Lynn and pianist Don Conover return to the Atherton with It's Delightful, It's Delovely, It's December, a cabaret performance of musical theater and holiday songs with guests Ernest Harada and the Hawaii School for Girls at La Pietra Select Choir, Friday the 13th at 7.30 and Saturday the 14th at 4. Tickets at 955-8821 during business hours or online at hprtickets.org. Aloha. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Pamela Foster. We are talking about sudden cardiac arrest. What do you do if somebody's absolutely collapsed and unconscious in front of you? And we've gotten some great tips so far. If you've got a question, you want to know, what are those devices in the wall? How long can you use an AED? Do I need one for my house? We've got the answers for you, 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. We've got Pat on the line from Manoa. Hello, Pat. Oh, hi. Um, Where can I go to sign up for a class? Does the Red Cross teach it? Great question, Pat. I want to sign up for a class. Are you smarter than a fifth grader? I hope so. (laughs) Me too, but I'll be in class with you because, you know, I want to go to class too. Uh, Pam, where can we go to class? Well, we did offer classes at the airport over the last seven years, but right now we're in between contracts, so you can't look at that one. Um, But we have partnered with Bishop Museum, and we are starting to teach classes at Bishop Museum on a monthly basis. We also have just partnered with YMCA, and we will be teaching classes at the Ys across the island. So give us a a call. I heard 10 years ago, if you were going to have a heart attack, the best city to be in was Seattle. You know, Seattle has a 50% people trained or took classes or something. All right. Well, I guess, you know, if you're going to have a heart attack, get on that plane to Seattle. But (laughs) I'm with you, Pat. You know, guess what? I think the community should be trained. Yeah. You're right. And so, you know, I've talked to the Y. They're going to give some classes. And also, you mentioned Bishop Museum. That's a fun place to hang out. It is fun. So, all right, Pam, if I want to get a list of those classes, can I go to your website? I wish you could, but I'm not up to date on my website. So call us. Give you a holler. Can I get the phone number from your website? Four, four, yeah, you can. And yep. what, okay, the phone, the website is? AEDinstitute.com. Okay, and the phone number? 440-88988. All right, Pat, you and me, we're in class. We're smarter than fifth graders. Thanks a lot. You got it. Thanks for calling us. All right, because, you know, that's really important. I think you're absolutely correct, Pam, and Pat was correct as well. Community involvement. Yes. Because really, this is all about taking care of one another. Yes. And if you see somebody and they're down for the count, you have a chance. If there's an AED available, 90% chance for that person, if you can use it within two minutes, they may come back. Well, the other number that we haven't discussed is that um, 85% of all cardiac arrests will happen at home. 85% of all cardiac arrests will happen at home. And now I'm scared to go home. All right, we're going to talk about that. I've got (laughs) Lily from Waikiki on the phone. And Lily, we're going to talk about 85% of all cardiac arrests at home. I'm scared. Lily, what can we do for you today? Um, I just had a couple of questions. If someone has um, a cardiac arrest 
after drowning. Um, like, how would you know that they're having cardiac arrest and not just drowning? And then also, what would you do about the water if you use an AED, like, in the sand or by a pool with a lot of water? Great questions, Lily. Fabulous. All right, Pam, what are we doing? Somebody's drowning. What are we doing? Okay, so we have AEDs in every lifeguard tower across the island. They are well prepared. They're in most areas. When somebody is drowning, you pull them out of the water and immediately call 911, start pushing in the center of the chest. If they start coughing, spitting up that water, good, go ahead. I don't know. I've been in healthcare for over 30 years, and I don't know where we thought that we the layperson sitting on the beach could get that water out of the person's lungs. That's not going to happen. Start pushing. Pump, 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 pump. As soon as an AED comes, attach it. AEDs are meant to be used in wet environments. You can use it on a wet surface. We use them on the sand all the time, not in a puddle of water. So I'm talking an inch of water. You got to move them out of the puddle but you can use an AED on a wet surface. You have to dry off their chest where the pads go, and there usually is a towel within that prep kit with every AED. Okay, thank you. Thanks for calling, Lily. I mean, that's an important thing. She's calling from Waikiki. How do you know? But if somebody's drowning still, you got the same call 911, start compressions, and do something, AED or otherwise. Yeah, yeah. They're available in the lifeguard stations, but they're not necessarily available after hours? No. Okay. So if you're drowning, drown from 9 to 5. Yeah. If you're drowning after hours, <laughs> you know, what are you doing there? And that's where the community involvement comes into play. Call 911. Somebody can still do compressions. And some of the local stores may have these. Yes. All right. We thought for a long time that the lifesaver was the first responder, that firefighter, lifeguard, paramedic, that they had the power to save the life. But what we're finding today with science and research is that, again, 85% of all cardiac arrests will happen at home. It's that person who's standing right next to whether you know them or not. That is the person that has the most amount of opportunity to make a difference. Um, We taught a class on Valentine's Day at the airport, and three days later, one of our students called us after she did 20 minutes of compression-only CPR on her 84-year-old father. EMS arrives, shocks him, full recovery. Wow. This really means any one of us can be a lifesaver. Yes. You have the higher, yeah, you have the higher chance. Don't wait for fire to arrive. They're do gonna, something. Yeah, do something. Do something. Start pumping. All right. Russell from New One is in the line. Russell, welcome to the show. Aloha. Thanks for having me on. Aloha. Um, what can we do for you? I, I thought this was really interesting, uh, especially because I, I listened to Radio Lab um, quite a bit on NPR and, uh, and, they had an episode um, in January of this year called The Bitter End, where they talked about things like, um, like um, CPR and how often doctors actually wanted them to, and how there are many doctors that even do things like tattoo themselves, DN- you know, DNR, do not resuscitate, and, uh, and actually showed that, that there are like a few different numbers that you can use to, uh, to evaluate it. But one is, of course, surviving, but the other one is quality of life, and that a lot of times with, um, with doing uh, these sort of CPR rescues, you find that the person um, is, you know, has some sort of mental, um, you know, some sort of brain damage or, um, or, or irreversible, irreversible brain damage that they can't really recover from. 
and uh, I, I wonder if maybe you could speak to that because they, they, they do a lot on the uh, on their even on their website, which I just looked up while I was on hold, to talk about how how many of these doctors even do not want to have CPR done because the outcomes are so so bad. You know what? Years ago, I I used to do the same thing. I worked the ER for twenty years, and we used to joke about the fact that we would tattoo DNR on our chest, do not resuscitate, because nobody ever came back that we could talk to him. But let me tell you, in the last five years, that is all changed. Um, And it's with this change in CPR. What we know today when you're doing those chest compressions, and and I've been teaching this for 25 years, we used to tell you to do like five pushes, one breath. We used to tell you push an inch and a half, don't push too hard, you can break the ribs, all this kind of stuff. But what we know today is that it takes 9 to 13 compressions to get the blood to the brain. So when we used to do those old five-to-ones, that's how come nobody survived. We also know today that we need to increase that thoracic pressure and that by stopping to give those breaths, you're actually decreasing the person's chance of survival. And with this compression-only CPR, which is just hitting the world in all the resuscitation academies and such, is that it is we are having people come back 100% okay. And, and it's just amazing. And even long periods of time, um, the Chaminade kids a couple, two years ago, saved a man on the Chaminade campus after they had had a training class. They witnessed the man collapse. A couple of them called 911. They ran up to Wailai Avenue looking for an ambulance. And two stayed behind, and they just started doing these compressions. Push, 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 push. And I love telling this story. EMS arrives. Um, they shock him. They do a couple more compressions. They shock him again. He wakes up and he looks at his angels, these kids who saved his life. And his name is Bobby Command, and he's the assistant to the Big Island Mayor. And he has made a full recovery. And it was all because those kids did that compression-only CPR. You're right. The old days, nobody survived. Not so today with compression-only CPR. All right, Russell. What do you think? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'd, I'd love to, to follow up with Radio Lab to have them. To have them do a follow-up, it would be really cool to see them bring it all full circle. And I think maybe so. Maybe have you on it. You could be on I think, lab. Yeah, be I, cool. Hey, I'm game. I think Pamela's game, too. We need to <laughs> teach people because you're right. I remember in medical school, nobody would ever see anyone do well. The in-hospital cardiac arrest, that's when you're in a hospital setting and a code is called. They, those people still were so sick they wouldn't do well. So we would see these negative outcomes. But if you've ever been able to speak to somebody whose life was saved or you've ever seen this happen, it's so dramatic, you would want that chance. So it's a great thought, Russell. I'm glad. And I will get in touch with Radiolab. Tell them, hey, somebody called in, quoted them. We've got to introduce some different statistics to them because life has changed. Totally different now. All right. Thanks for calling us. Now, you know, there's this statistic that makes me want to never go home. Pamela, you said 85% of all cardiac arrests occur at home. Do I need a defibrillator? Should I have one in my house? How much do they cost? And who should have these at home? Well, again, I think people who have cardiac disease, does your brother need one at home? I think he does. I think his family needs to know what to do if he collapses. Um, That's really a big thing. We lost a surgeon just uh, a year ago when he, picture of health, 41 years old, takes his five-mile run, comes home, sits down on the couch, has his cardiac arrest. He has an AED in the back of his car because he's the football team doc, but his wife and daughters don't know how to use it. He died. Wow. 
Wow. So everybody needs to know. And that's why teaching these, we just had a, a nine-year-old save his dad in Hawaii Kai Harbor. When his dad collapsed, 20 adults didn't really know what to do. And it was the nine-year-old that told him, call 911, start pushing in the center of the chest. Wow, the nine-year-old the saved nine-year-old. his dad's life. Yes. Because the rest of us just, are our <gasps> heads sure. just way yeah. too in the clouds. Yep. We've just got to act like a fifth grader. Yep. Collapse, call 911, start CPR. Push hard and fast. Better to push too hard than not hard enough. Break a rib. That's okay. That's actually a sign of good compression today. They were, the rib will heal. You know, we, we put so much fear in people over the years. Ah, don't push too hard. Don't, you know, forget all that stuff. So if anybody in your house has heart disease, now luckily my brother who had this problem, he had surgery and he just got married and his his now wife is a nurse. And she teaches AEDs, by the way, in Pennsylvania. (laughs) So I think they're covered because they've got one in the house and she's got a real one. But, uh, But, you know, in his case, even though he's had this curative surgery, he should still be prepared. Anybody who has a cardiovascular history, if they've ever passed out because they've gone into cardiac arrest, they may have an implantable defibrillator. Now, if you have an implantable defibrillator, you probably don't need an external one for Mm, you as a person. I don't know about that one. Really? Okay. (laughs) Educate me. Well, they're just a piece of machinery. I mean, they can, their battery can go dead. They can have a recall on them, you know, that type of thing. So even if you have one implanted and you have that much of a history, you might still want one at home. Well, and there's there's the congenital issue that you had a cardiac arrest. Could anyone in your family have that cardiac arrest? You have family dinner for Thanksgiving or Christmas. Now you have protection because if it's if it's implanted in you, it's not in someone else and they may need it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, you can get one for the block if you've got a homeowners association type of situation or you've got a bunch of neighbors on the block. You know what? Go in together and, and make sure that you've got a safe environment. How much are we talking? Um, they're anywhere from 1500 to 3500 Depends on the bells and whistles. Mine's the expensive one because it's got the EKG on it and such. But, I mean, you can pick up a good one for seventeen eighteen hundred dollars $1,800. And the investment of that, definitely worth it. I mean, these days, think of all the things we spend that kind of money on, computers, gadgets, Xboxes. I'm about as good with video games as I am with fifth graders, so I I think they would probably do better with the video games. But, I mean, it's an investment, but it's one that is potentially going to last a lifetime. Yeah. I mean, the warranties on these machines coming out now, you got a good eight-year warranty on it. So if you take that, you know, $1,700 and put it over eight years. It's nothing. 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 We spend that, you know, in a day sometimes of shopping. Really? I don't know. I don't go, <laughs> I don't go shopping like that. I'm not quite sure. I don't know what I'd be buying. But all right. So, but I mean, definitely true. So the, I want to review the simple steps so that people understand. Somebody drops in front of you. What's the simple way to remember what to do? Okay. We've been doing CPR for 50 years. But if you ask somebody, what does CPR stand for? They're like, uh, cardio something. So we've just come up with our own idea of what CPR stands for. Do CPR. Call, push, respond. Push hard, push fast in the center of the chest. If they say, ow, stop. And when you're doing that pushing, do it to the song, Staying Alive. We like that Staying Alive part, you know, because it's better than... Well, there was another song that yes, somebody once suggested. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know, just for the humor's sake, 
Another one bites the dust, which is so not what you want to do when you're doing CPR. You want to do staying alive. It's such much more positive, you know, than the other song. But all right. So so the CPR, although technically it's cardiopulmonary resuscitation, we're going to change it. We're going to say it's call, push, respond. Yep. So that you call 911, no matter what, you call them anyway. And get them coming because they may be able to come and do some more than you could. Yes. You, You push. You start doing your compressions. You mentioned middle of the chest. Center of the chest. Don't worry about trying to be X number of millimeters or inches from wherever. Or if they're a woman right in the middle. Or those things are in the way. Just, Just right in the middle. Start pumping. Yeah. Staying alive. Start singing your song. And then if there is a defibrillator. Now, how do you know if there is one? I mean, there's a lot of places that have them. We don't yet have like a GPS directory. I know EMS is working on it. But should you look in your environment and find out where the nearest one is at work, where the nearest one is in your neighborhood, your favorite restaurant? Should you be looking out for these things? You really should. And I'm really hoping, I'm kind of putting a pitch into employers, don't hide them. You know, McDonald's puts them by the front door. Make sure everybody knows. It's, I suppose it's no different than if you had a fire, where's the fire extinguisher? You know, looking for that fire extinguisher once the fire starts is not probably the best idea. So knowing where they are, usually most people, once they take a class, they start seeing them thinking, oh, my gosh, I never saw that before, even though I walked by it for years. You know, Alamoana's got a good eight of them throughout the mall. Um, if you go out to the Alani property, they've got 35 AEDs on the Alani property. 35 um, of them? Yeah. And we have a 100% survival rate over there, too. You have 35 AEDs and an Alani I was out near that part of the island this weekend in Aulani, 100% survival, 35 AEDs. Yep. And you mentioned Alamoana has eight of them. Yeah, Alamoana's got eight of them. Um, if I'm in Alamoana, how do I know where they are? Well, Should I just start looking around, looking for them? Yeah, look for them. Be aware of them. They are for public use. They're not put there so that the security officer knows where they are. It's called a public access defibrillation program. Within the airport, what we do is we follow the American Heart Guidelines, and that is that an AED is every 90 seconds away because you want to be able to run one way, come back, attach it within three minutes. So at the airport, we have them every 90 seconds through every airport. You know, Like I said, the HECO trucks have them. Schools are getting them. We want them in the cafeteria, first place to open, last place to close type of thing. Um, we've got them everywhere. Now, if somebody wanted to know more about it, you've got a website and you've got a phone number. Can we review that? Yeah, our website is aedinstitute.com, and then our phone number is 440-8988. I was thinking, too, for free classes, the difference between training and certification, training, that's what we do for the fifth graders. We do it for the community. We do it for free. You know, a donation to the foundation will come out and teach you if you have 10 or more people. But on the foundation website, which is hawaiiheart.org, hawaiiheart.org, is... um, We have a list, that one we do keep up, and it has a list of all the locations that we're doing free training. So if I want to go to hawaiiheart.org, I can go get trained on how to use it, and I can be as smart as a fifth grader. Yes. Maybe smarter. Maybe. I kind of hope. No, the fifth grader will do it first. Yeah, you're so not helping me out there, Pamela. All right. Well, I am so appreciative. Thank you so much for coming on the show with us today. Thank you for having me. We are going to have to do this again. Pamela Foster is the head of the Automatic External Defibrillator Institute and a member of the Hawaii Heart Foundation. You can find more information at aedinstitute.com, hawaiiheart.org. And if you want to hear this show again, you can listen to our podcast available at hawaiipublicradio.org. Click on the links to The Body Show. 
Our engineer is David Chong. Our executive producer, Beth Ann Kozlovich. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you next week. Go find those AEDs. We'll hear more about it. All right, that's Monday on The Body Show. Next week, we'll see you then. Woo! Mm-hmm.